Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and Hi, morning going, Lyle? it's going great, yeah. it's going amazing. Oh yeah? yeah, yeah. Life is fantastic. What are you grateful for this morning? I am grateful for a great bunch of guys that came around to my place for a Bible study last night, had an awesome time. Oh, wonderful. What do you study? We studied the nature of inspiration. Ooh, a hot topic. I like it. Yes. A hot topic not, not talked about much. No, no. Mm. Talked about too little. Yeah. And uh, inspiration is eroded too often. It's true. It's true. People like to talk about, oh, historical context and, you know, humanity of the prophets and contradictions you find in the Bible and all this kind of rubbish. Well, don't you and find contradictions? Contradictions that are made to make a point. So there's no mistakes in the Bible? Uh, in translations, there are. Oh, so it's the translator's fault, not the Bible. Yeah, well, you can never get a perfect translation. Okay. okay. Unless you get an inspired translation. There's no such thing as an inspired translation. We might have to have a, a Bible study about this. Maybe we will sometime. Yeah, Maybe yeah, we will. I see how the vistas are. But the problem is this. If you, if you go down that slope of saying, well, some of the Bible is inspired and, and, and some of it is not, and some of the Bible is infallible and some of it is not, how do you, how do you become the person who, who decides? decides? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes you greater you than the God? Bible. That makes you greater than greater than God because now you, you are deciding, well, God, you stuffed up because you left this bit in the Bible. And the Bible is a revelation of God's character. So You either uh, take it all or nothing. Yeah, yeah. That's the issue. It's a dangerous and st- Sticky position to stick yourself It is indeed. Mm. Anyway. But we're going to be studying more about the Bible as we go through this show today. We've got David Storgic coming back in. Yes. Really important subject he's talking about, um, which is the effect that depression has on families. A very valid topic. This is really, this is something that I think that all of us that have seen and experienced depression, you know, amongst friends, close relatives, so forth, even amongst ourselves, have seen a horrific toll that it takes on yeah, families. Yeah, look, Neil Nedley's uh, Depression Recovery Program is the world's most successful depression recovery program. And I firmly believe, and they also promote, that everyone needs to do this program, not just the person with depression, but everyone around them. Yep. And everyone has a friend who has depression, if we don't realize it. Friends, right. family members, someone close, someone in your inner circle has depression and it's important for us to educate ourselves on this topic so that we can be a help instead of a hindrance. Absolutely. Yep. Anyway, that's coming up and so much more. We know all about it because this is the delayed broadcast and if you want to join us on the live show, you know where to go, faithfm.com.au, press play. Or download the TuneIn app. Make sure you get the free version. And search for Faith FM Australia. That's it right there. Anyway, we'll be back uh, right after this song with an amazing show for you this morning.
You're listening to Sila with Standing on the Promises of God there on Faith FM and it is time for the first clue for the quiz of the day. Mon, what have you got for us there today? Yes, brother, I do have a... Oh, I almost want to say difficult one, but I don't think it's too difficult because this person... I don't know, there can only be one of these people really. Uh, to Who Am I quiz... And let me just get my Insta up so I can tell people of Instagram what's happening. Uh, by the way, if you're not following us on Instagram, you totes should be. Our Insta handle is faithfmlive, lowercase one word. Okay, you ready? Who am I? Clue number one. I prophesied that it was better for one man to die for the people, i.e. the Jews, than that the whole nation perish. If you can get this correct, give me a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Today's prize is a copy of... The Desire of Ages by E.G. White's beautiful book. We will send this to you free of charge if you can tell us the correct answer. Um, just be the first person to call through with the answer. 1-800-324-843. Or you can text 0491-064-669. Lyle already knows the answer because he's a smarty pants. That's right. You just need to know it. Remind everybody about it. That's the reality. <laughs> that is the world in which we live. Okay, can we just... um. Calm down there. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lyle. Yes. Oh, I've got so much good news happening. Like, there's so much good news I actually can't tell it all in just a few minutes. So, I'm going to have to just give you a snapshot of all the good stuff all that's right. happening in the world. By the give way, by the way, mm. so you know, this whole, uh, all these studies that are coming out about the, the, the now prescribable uh, benefits. Of nature, right? Mm. We talked about this yesterday. Yep. Nature so, this has gone viral, and it turns out a lot of countries have been doing similar studies simultaneously. So, like, it's like almost like every day I, I look Everybody's online just suddenly and other countries on and figured yeah, out that we were created well, to be in nature. Japan's jumped on the bandwagon now. I mean, Japan has been doing this kind of stuff for a while, but they're now also prescribing this. They actually have something called forest bathing. Or in Japanese, it's Shinrin Yuku. Yes. Shinrin Yuku. You, you, I'm probably uh, butchering that. We need Marta. Where's Marta this yeah, morning? She's, yeah. our, she's our yeah. um, resident Japanese, Japanese guru. Person. Yeah, so Shinrin Yuku uh, is, is, so there's a scientist called Dr. Quinn Lee. He, he, apparently, he's a world expert on this forest bathing business. He believes that people in modern societies are suffering from what he calls nature deficient disorder. He reckons there's an actual disorder. I so totally agree with this. Yeah, I yeah. so totally agree with this. Yeah, so um, they've actually found so the studies that they've released from Japan. Um, it, it, this is just so crazy. So not only is it you know positive about you know, the mental effects because we've been looking at um, uh, like you know anxiety and 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 depression and, and and that kind of thing, but he's also found that it actually get this. This is crazy. Can increase the body's production of immune cells and cancer fighting proteins. Oh wow! Like isn't that crazy? Uh-huh, you uh-huh. know, along with the good, other good stuff like reduced symptoms of anger and fatigue, and, and also like just a reduced risk of hypertension. <laughs> because who doesn't want that? Like this is the result. Yes, of- well, six thousand years ago, go God planted. A garden. Yeah. He planted a garden and he put humans in the garden. He didn't build a house and put humans in a house. Not that I'm saying we should all move yeah, out yeah, of our yeah, house yeah. into yeah, the no, garden. Oh, no, yeah, I'm yeah. quite happy with living under my roof. Thank you. But uh, that's what God did. He planted a garden. Yeah. 
Amen. Like, so Dr. Lee, this expert, he said, you know, um, this is... In fact, I think in that garden somewhere there would have been a house, a dwelling, but he put them in a garden. So he's been finding that forest bathing has an increased production of something called serum antipotectin. That's a big science word that Mon can't say. Uh, so this is so patients who have low levels of this hormone also have an increased risk of type two diabetes, cardiovascular disease, disease, and metabolic syndrome. Like it's just insane. So you're so, going to live longer and healthier if you live in the bush. Simple as that. Yeah, and so well, the Japanese. I'm, doing, not, I'm not proposing that we all sure, go and become sure. hippies. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotcha. Well, Dr. Lee has been um, instrumental in setting up. Uh, um, Something that they that they do in Japan apparently since the eighties. So he's been he's been like implementing this since the eighties, but the, the science is really sort of catching up to to it. And uh, and they are basically like forest bathing stations. And so they're like little forest, little pockets of nature that are scattered throughout the cities where people can go and uh, and just spend time in the forest. And you know, there's a really easy solution to this: move out of the city and go live on a farm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Just live there for goodness sake. You know, yeah. It just does my head in. All the people who are worried about the environment don't live in the environment. Yes, you mentioned that yesterday. And it's true. But, uh, but I guess, it's, you know, we, we can't always – it's not necessarily a reality that we can always just pack up and move out to the city. Yeah, okay. This country. So for people who aren't, like in, in Japan, lots of, the, lots of the cities in Japan, they can actually just go to a forest bathing um, park almost. I guess, I guess it's a park, really. They call it a forest bathing station. And uh, But what's interesting is, like we said yesterday um, – he said it's, you shouldn't be doing any exercise. There's no like jogging or nothing happening. Um, you need to be connecting with the nature, with all your five senses. Well, maybe not eating the nature, um, but your sight, sound, you know, smell. You need to. I have a proposal. You need to put down your screen, basically. I have a proposal. Here's and what we really need to do. Really, just enjoy the nature. Okay, so you know how in, uh, in in the work environment we have legislated amount of time that we need to give for you know smoko and lunch mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. I oh, think. Yes. I think. We should legislate a two-hour lunch break. So you just get home a little bit later than what you would before. Maybe one and a half hours enough. And that gives people enough time to either go to the park or the beach. I am all for it, Lyle. I'm voting you for president. There you go. Yeah. Dictator. Dictator. But, but this is... This is, this is the only way I'll get my legislation through. I really want to stress this one point, right? That... All these studies have all said the same thing. It's not just that you go out and are physically present in some bushlands or something, but that you actually observe and engage and be aware of your surroundings, that you put your screen down. You don't take this as an opportunity to do 100 sit-ups. Like, you just be still... And actually just, you know, observe the nature around you. Which I think is true because I think a lot of people, like I myself, I'm guilty of this. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, i got to get some nature. I'm going to go for a walk. And I've got my headphones on. I'm like looking at my screen and I don't, like I've, I'm, I've done it. Like I'm physically there, but I haven't really done it. Do you know what I mean? So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention something here that uh, I think everybody should go fishing. <laughs> well, okay, fine. All right, but let me explain why. Because when I lived on the Huon River in Tasmania, uh, which is where I grew up, I used to go trout fishing all the time. And trout, they're, 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 they're tricky kind of fish. They're, mm-hmm. they're um, shy and you've got to actually hunt them rather than fish for them. So you've got to think like a trout. 
And what happens is that when you come to the river and you start to work your way along the river bank, you're constantly thinking, where are the trout? What are they feeding on today? What kind of a um, a lure, a fly, a, a bait, whatever it might be, am I going to use? And, and you're just observing everything. You, you see the little birds that are working around the river banks. You see where the insects are. So you're getting fully you see, engaged with nature. You're fully engaged. Yeah. You're, you're, you're totally absorbed and engaged So Lyle wants us all to go out in the bush and pretend we're fish. Um, cool. If that works for you, that's for you. <laughs> Let me quickly tell you some other good news because I have so much good news I have to but get it all out. The, the, the reality is that when I used to go down there, I, I'd often come back and say, I saw so much more yeah. because I had a fishing rod in yeah, my yeah, hand. If I hadn't had a fishing rod, I'd just be wandering along yeah. the, uh, in my head. It's a way of concentrating on the nature. Yeah. Hospital in California, Lyle. This is so cute. They've been they've trying to figure out ways to ease the stress of surgery on young patients. They've figured out the cutest way ever. You're going to love this, Lyle. They're letting them drive mini cars into the operating room. Yeah. How cute is that? So instead of like wheeling them in a in a in a hospital bed down the corridor to the operating room, they sit them in like a miniature V dub or like a Mercedes and let them drive the thing into the operating. All theater. hospitals should have this. Yeah, and if they're too if they're too sick or they're just too coordinated to drive it themselves the parents can actually remote control it so they can like steer from behind and it's so cute there's this little video of a little girl and she's wearing a little hospital gown and she's got a little cap on ready to i don't know have brain surgery or something and she is all smiles or it's so it's so cute (laughs) best idea ever and it's uh, so distracting from the fact that they're about to have, you know, a pretty severe operation done on them. So this is so cute. Uh, the hospital purchased a black Mercedes last year and, uh, and it's been going so well that, um, some of their uh, patients came back and donated a bright pink, um, Vita Beetle to this collection. Now, <laughs> now they can have a choice. So the two cars. Yeah, they can race. They're so cool. And, um, you know, if there's two boys going to operation, they're definitely going to race. race those yeah, things. yeah, yeah. And, uh, also other good news coming out of Children's hospitals. There's a dad. Uh, I think he's in yeah, North Carolina. Kevin Gatlin, and uh, his son was sick in hospital, and uh, very sadly, you know, he spent ages in hospital, and he was there for such a long time, and he got so bored that the dad decided to invent. Um, Playtime Adventures, which is bed sheets that have board games and colourful lessons printed on the bed sheets so they can actually play games on their bed sheets. How cool is that? And they're now being used in hospitals across America. If I had bed sheets like that, I'd break my neck. I'd never go to sleep. Trying to read all of the information. Yeah. <laughs> I get no sleep whatsoever. <laughs> Stay tuned. This is BJ Thomas. I want to be more like Jesus.
Back everybody, listen to BJ Thomas. I want to be more like Jesus here on Faith FM. And our clue for the quiz is that this particular individual's. All right, so who's giving the clues here? Huh? Whom was discovered uh, sure, some, sure, some, sure, some, sure, some sure, years sure, ago? Sure, sure. Clue number two. It's not going to be actual on there. clue number two. Who am I? It was discovered. My after. father-in-law is Anas. A n n a s. Well, who might that be? Yeah. It kind of reminds me of ananas, which is how the Ethiopians and the Germans, incidentally, say pineapple. Really? Yeah. They have a German word in Ethiopia. Or an Ethiopian word in Germany. Not quite sure there. There you go. I know. Yeah. They, I noticed they had uh, one or two uh, Italian words. Really? Yeah, because uh, of the occupation. The Italian occupation. Mm-hmm. That was that was interesting. I mean, the Italians were only there ciao. for like what five, six years at the most. And, yeah, yeah. Um, well, ciao was a pretty. You yep. know, who doesn't want to say the word ciao? Everyone wants to say the word ciao. Yeah, I think I think we should all adopt that. It's nice and simple and yeah. um, easy to say. And it sounds it sounds cultured. Ciao. Okay, so in Quebec, in oh. Canada, mm-hmm. they are introducing a new secularism law. What on earth? Okay, so the idea with the secularism law is that public servants will be banned from using or wearing religious symbols. So this is a law that is based around the concept of the separation of church and state. And my question is, is this going too far or not? Way too far. So you can't wear something that's so you can't wear a cross, you can't wear a star, you can't wear a hijab, you can't wear a burqa, you can't wear a... Um, let me think. What Too other far. religious symbols? You know, lots of Buddhists wear religious symbols. Too I'm far. Not sure exactly what you call them. Uh-uh. can recognise them. Why? Too far. Shouldn't we have separation of church and state? Yeah, but the state telling people what to wear is not a separation. That's a violation of human right. Okay. All right. So, um, anyway, this is on the uh, um, on, on, on the heels of last year. They brought in Bill 62, um, which banned people who wore face coverings um, from receiving government, government services. So you can't be wearing a face covering while receiving a government service. So basically what they're trying to do is eradicate face covering. What they're doing, the way they're going about it yes. is trying to remove any you sort of religious... You have absolutely... It's just so stupid, isn't it? That's just humanity at its stupidest. Like This is a shining example of how we love to staff it up. Okay, so let's, let's, let's think about the... Um, okay, so it gets better than this. I've got, I've Go got more on. to share Go on. Impress me some but, more. But <laughs> Humanity's idiocy. <laughs> but, oh, okay, so, so, so 
it's actually what it is is just uh, persecution against Islam. Mm-hmm. Um, because uh, when you stop and think about it, the whole concept of legislating separation of church and state, which I firmly believe in, and I firmly believe that we should legislate. Mm-hmm. We should we should definitely have separation of church and state. But if somebody wants to wear a cross because they're a Christian, or they want to wear a star because they're a Jew, or whatever it might be, that is not a union of church and state. That's just a personal's personal preference about how they express themselves. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <coughs> but a whole concept of legislating separation of church and state is a Christian concept. So by nature, this is Christian legislation. Because Jesus was the one who came up with it or, or, or promoted the idea of separation of church and state. This is a biblical concept. You don't find this concept in Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, any of these other nations. So simply by legislating it, aren't you enforcing Christianity? No, a form of no. a, a, a portion of Christianity. No, Lyle, you're not gonna you're not gonna trick me with this one. Because I mean, what, what what's next? They're gonna say we're gonna legislate about the materials that you have in your house. If you have any religious books, we need to separate you from them because it's church separating from state. Like, it's how far are you gonna go with this? Yeah, and that's an interesting thought too. Because uh, let's say that you're a Christian person, and uh, you know, when, when I was working in a secular workplace. I used to have a Bible in my back pocket and I would often read it during my lunch hour. Mm-hmm. So it would be a public display of a religious book uh, in a secular workplace. Are you going to ban that? No. I, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm reading my Bible during my lunch hour and I put my Bible down on my desk and I'm in a government job, does that mean I lose my job because I have uh, displayed a religious bias. No, I think this is very dangerous. And I think this is most definitely heading down a path where they're trying to separate our Bibles from us, to be honest. Yeah, it's interesting because, um, you know, when with, with Bill 62 that came in last year, uh, that you can't receive, you know, government services while wearing a head covering or a headscarf. Um, that includes, you know, things like health, welfare, public transport, all of that kind of stuff. It's pretty repressive on, on, on the Islamic community. Um, and you know when you when you think about that, it's a um, that's 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 definitely religious legislation, but it favours Christianity because Christianity doesn't use those kinds of yeah. head coverings. Um, Do you think they should outlaw the head covering? I don't like the head covering. Mm-hmm. I find it offensive to men in particular. Mm-hmm. As a man, I find it offensive because it's making a public statement that men are uncontrollable beasts. Mm-hmm. And I look at men and I say, see that you know maybe 1% of men are uncontrollable beasts, but the average man is not like that and the average man exercises self-control and that this is an insult. Yeah, gotcha. So that's why, that's why I don't like it. Um, I think that from a, a woman's perspective, it is uh, it's you know I, I just I just find it personally I find it offensive. Mm-hmm. But does that mean that I am going to stop somebody who that is their religious conviction? No, of course not. If that's their religious conviction, then go ahead and do it. We can disagree without you know um, attacking each other and trying to force each other into our own sort of uh, religious norms and boxes and so forth. Anyway, coming back to this. Um, the legislation then goes on to say that it is not banning subtle, but only overt ah, so there's religious your symbols. There's okay, your so now you can wear your cross and your star, you just can't wear a headscarf. Yeah, gotcha. So this is where it becomes, mm-hmm. okay, this is just an attack on Muslims. That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. 
and of course, it goes even further because there are exemptions for Quebec's cultural heritage, which is staunchly Roman Catholic. Oy. So, if it is seen as a symbol of Quebec's cultural heritage, and this is where it becomes even more hypocritical to me, is because how do you define cultural heritage? The actual cultural heritage of Quebec is not Roman Catholic. It is, um, you know, North American um, indigenous native religions, wait, whatever wait, they so are. They're saying that they're allowed to wear this kind of stuff as long as it's cultural heritage, right? Yes. So this is how you get away with priests and monks wearing like almost like yes. neck to floor. Yes. All on. of their robes are still allowed because that's cultural heritage. Because that's quite a large, significant outfit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just like, whoop, one, because, little, one little step up But because this state has, you know, 300 years mm-hmm. of, you know, Roman Catholicism and Roman Catholic state, uh-huh. then it's fine. Wow, that's a, that's a, they've really this is churned really out the law there, haven't they? hypocritical yeah. law. I, and how it ever gets past the constitution. That's not a straight no law. Idea. That's a nah, very curvy is, law. It's got a few turns is, in there. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so if it's not, if it's subtle, you can wear it, and or if it's cultural heritage, you can wear it. But then I ask the question: Okay, what about the Native American religions? Mm. You know, the the North American religions of the, of the Native Americans. Isn't that more cultural than the Roman Catholic heritage of Quebec? Yeah. And then I ask the question is like, okay, how do you define what is cultural heritage? How old does it have to be? Because how long have there been Muslims in Quebec for? I mean, surely there's been Muslims there for the last hundred years at least. And does that mean at some point in the future, the Muslims will be, culture will be old enough for then it to become culturally Well, at what point does it become, what point does it become cultural heritage? Yeah. That's craziness. It's <laughs> a dodgy law. Quebec's this is a seriously dodgy law. I feel like Quebec got up this morning and slapped Okay, itself. so then it gets even better because the uh, state government um, is the body that decides what is cultural heritage and what is not cultural heritage. Oh, good grief. <laughs> good grief. They're going to have some problems enforcing yeah, this one. Yeah, 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 yeah. This one is Some dodgy. lawyers in Quebec right now are smiling from this ear to ear at how much they're going to be able to argue about this one and get their clients' money. And this is what happens when bad legislation comes through, like you know the, some of the gender legislation you have in Tasmania. It just becomes a field day for lawyers to make buckets of money. So this law has now passed. Uh, it's in the process of um, passing. You're hilarious, Quebec. Let's see you enforce this one. Yeah. Let's see you enforce this one. <laughs> Just give this one a try. Hey, there's a new park open in Dubai called the Quranic Park. It's uh, 130 acres with 12 gardens and has the Cave of Miracles. It has a lake that's divided in two so that you can experience the crossing of the Dead Sea. And as you work around it, it teaches you all about the Quran. What are we doing here? Let's go. I want to go visit this thing. You want to learn? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Why not? I mean, free trip uh, to Dubai. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll I boss won't mind free that bill. We're going to go uh, broadcast from Dubai. We've got some cultural significance that we need to uh, report on. I, I, can, I can see your angle here, Mon. <laughs> this we'll be is right back. Uh, Alan Jackson. <laughs> i 
everlasting arms I have blessed peace with my Lord so near Leaning on the everlasting arms Leaning, leaning Safe and secure from all alarms Leaning, leaning Leaning on the everlasting Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8, or 88, right across Australia, and joining me in the studio. And it's been a while since we've been in the studio together, David, but uh, David Stojic, of course, is a regular here with our weekly segment on uh, emotional health, amongst other things. David, welcome to the show again. Great to be here, Lyle. You've been away, I've been away. Yeah, we've been all over the place. Uh, so... Uh, here we are, back Fantastic. in the studio. Fantastic to be able to uh, to reconnect again. Now, David, this morning we're talking about uh, the effects of depression, not on the actual sufferer themselves, but on the people around them, so family and friends. Yeah. And I know from my own experience, having seen a colleague of mine go through depression, it took a toll, a serious toll on his family. Um, right. And so this is something that we really need to talk about. And, and you know, I, I guess there's always the danger of, you know, the family members spiraling out of control into depression themselves dealing Absolutely. with these, these challenging. Absolutely. So, so really it's difficult to kind of separate the two, isn't it? Mm. Because the family has to, at the end of the day, recognize what's going on. Yes. Uh, you know, so, and the family actually can help in the cure as well as aggravate the situation. So yep. it's... And, and, and they damage themselves. That's right. And we're calling depression these days the common cold of the modern world. That's right. Um, and it's having a massive cost on society. So, you know, there's a cost on the family, but there's also a cost to employers who lose millions of dollars due to, you know, absenteeism and loss of productivity and so forth. That's right. Uh, obviously, obviously, depression is a real issue. And... Um, and the cost that is paid, uh, as you just pointed out, is is huge, uh, huge cost. Um, you know, I'm talking about monetary cost yeah, on yeah. the society. But but the big, maybe some would argue, even the biggest cost that is paid is actually paid by the people who are going through it and by their family. Uh, family. So so. But that cost many times uh, cannot be only expressed in monetary terms. It's emotional, it's psychological, even physical cost mm, of mm. that. Okay, so today we're going to be talking particularly about the way depression affects um, sufferers and those that are closest to them. Yes, and I believe at this stage it would be good uh, to briefly mention the symptoms of depression as these are the things that will be observed by the family and friends of those who are depressed. I mean, I mention them every now and again as we talk about that condition of depression, uh, Lyle, but I think uh, the more we hear it, the more we will be able to recognize that. So, um, yeah, uh, as, as you can tell, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> even you mentioned your own experience, uh, some people the families cannot even recognize um, those symptoms of depression. For sure. Uh, so, so, so what are the... Yeah, uh, you were going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, you know, um, is, is it possible that a loved one or a friend might not even be aware that somebody is close to them is suffering from depression? Uh, yes, 
Yes, okay. it's 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 kind of uh, depression really creeps on people, uh, and and sometimes people just assume that what's happening is just a, a bad day <laughs> that, right. that, that they're having. But but actually, uh, let me just just run uh, what actually the psychiatric bible. It's called the DSM manual version mm-hmm. five. Uh, what is actually um, uh, this? The, it, it actually lists the, the list of symptoms, and so for for this to be a problem, at least five out of those nine symptoms of depression have to be uh, have to be observed uh, within this two weeks period of time. You know, okay. consecutive. So that's sure. Yeah. So two weeks. That's a fairly significant amount of time because we all have a bad day every right. now and then. That's right. But we're not just talking about one bad day. We're talking about a we're couple of weeks. We're talking about fairly consistent type yeah. of behaviors. So, so what are these nine symptoms? Mm. Five of which, if we have, we are definitely having depression. So it's number one is deep sadness or feeling of emptiness, feeling down uh, or feeling uh, feeling hopeless, uh, decreased interest. Or pleasure in nearly all activities. So, you know, up until yesterday, uh, a loved one had a normal life, enjoyed everything. Uh, all of a sudden, no pleasure, uh, no interest. Uh, decrease or, or or increase in appetite or unusual loss or gain in weight. So that can be another another uh, thing to watch. Uh, then sleep habits uh, change. Uh, people can all of a sudden start sleeping very little, uh, or they can sleep just around the clock. You know, and just just have enough time to to get up and and eat something and go back to sleep. You know, when they're in that state. Uh, so so um, also when it comes to movement, uh, you know, uh, people actually notice that actually people who are or observe and they sometimes don't re- know what it is, but all of a sudden we can s- kind of start acting like a slow motion kind of a, a, a movie. You know, uh, mm-hmm. our 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 uh, movements become slower than normal, and and. Uh, uh, um, then, then we experience fatigue or loss of, uh, of energy. Uh, we feel too often, tar- you know, quite tired without some obvious reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, then another one that is actually a very interesting one is experiencing feelings of worthlessness uh, or maybe inappropriate guilt uh, or feeling that we are a failure. You know, so so if if a family observes that. You know, their, their family members are going through this. Then, 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 uh, this decreased ability to concentrate on common tasks or, 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 or facing, like, you know, encountering difficulties in making good decisions, uh, consistently kind of making bad decisions. Then thinking about having morbid thoughts, thinking about, uh, death or considering harming, uh, oneself or others. So all these kind of, uh, very significant telltales or signs that we have to, as family members we have to observe uh, if this is happening and as I've said how many do we need to have at least at least at least five of them at least five of them over a two week period yes yeah. so it almost implies that you know the sufferer of depression has unknowingly become a different person Lyle, anybody who listens to this conversation and who has depressed person in their immediate family or the circle of close friends uh, would most likely agree with you. And depression affects the frontal lobe of the brain where the seat of values and principles and morality and spirituality for us basically, uh, you know, our life is, is basically focused in, in, in providing balance, but especially pointing people in that spiritual dimension. Actually, some authors have said that one of the great evils for our spiritual life is actually 
depression because it's mm. actually because it's centered in our frontal lobes yeah, yeah. and depression attacks that that actually uh, people become different people uh, almost unrecognizable by other people people have the feeling that all of a sudden their loved one has become a different person mm-hmm. almost like a zombie mm-hmm. that somebody else has kind of possessed them or in- inhabited their being uh, the old person had gone and the new person has come but this new person is not, not a good person is not a person that you would want to be yeah and this is one of the struggles that I've seen where I've seen actually a family that has broken up as a result of this you know where one person became depressed and the other person you know stuck it out for about 10 years or so and then it just became too much exactly and, and, and I think part of the problem was that you know the person who was suffering depression just you know refused to get any help yes and they probably would have you know stuck it out longer if they'd at least try to get some help but yeah it can be a vicious cycle can't it and in our job and our calling as, as spiritual leaders and pastors we would have seen uh, wonderful families good families mm, mm. you know all of a sudden um you know they're not functioning well, and sometimes we have a situation just as you described, yeah. where people and, and just, say, just say, "Well, what happened to my husband? What happened to my wife?" This is not the person I married. This is not this the, not the pers- person that I spent the last you know thirty years of my life with. This is a different person. Exactly. So, if anybody is listening to this, it's of supreme importance mm. that they actually seek help because depression is one of those conditions. If, if recognized and treated, uh, people actually can be helped, and people can go back to being normal themselves. Yes, and I think also if your whole family is telling you the same thing, yes, then you need to listen. If your whole family is telling you you're suffering from depression, you need to go and get help, um, it doesn't matter how much you deny it, you need to go and get that help. And particularly if you're in a long-term relationship with somebody, you know, you've been together for 20 years or so, they know you. That's right. And they're in a position to judge whether you need help or not. That's exactly so, so Lyle. You know, it's, it's really true, true in every way. Uh, uh, depression really, uh, as we say, it is not just a medical matter. It's a family matter too. Mm, mm, you know, mm. yeah, so, 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 uh, uh, the behaviors and mood of a depressed person affect the whole family. There, uh, there is that ir- irritability which sets off conflicts and derails family dynamics. So the negative thought patterns which become a prism or, of pessimism for everyone and people become withdrawn irritable uh, confrontational uh, uh, and so on and so on so, so family really needs to understand what actually is going on what's happening and as you said and we are going to kind of highlight that a bit later in maybe in our conversation that actually those who are facing this and the family is consistently saying uh, you know hey there is something wrong here that actually they need to listen Absolutely, and, and and seek seek help. Yeah, because they could be in in danger of losing their entire family. And nobody wants that. David, we're going to be back uh, just after this song uh, to continue this really important conversation we're having today.
change the whole world if we start in our hometown. Get out today, spread a little love around. Tell your mom you love her, bear hug your brother, treat your sister to a night out on the town. Throw the ball for Rover, wrestle in the clover, put a smile on that old hound, spread a little love around. It's fine and dandy. Welcome back, guys. Uh, I'm here with David Stojic this morning. We're talking about depression and the effect that it has on families. Um, This is a really important issue. Um, And so what we really want to look at, David, I'm wondering if you can help us with is, you know, um, when somebody's depressed, clinically depressed, what can families do? Um, You know, if, if, if you've got a family member that's displaying at least five of these symptoms of depression, depression, where do you start? What 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 approach do you make? Uh, well, look, uh, number one is uh, it's. Uh, I just want to kind of repeat and highlight this. Uh, it is important that actually we as family members in this disconnected society, when you when you analyze a typical family, Lyle, and sometimes uh, I, I'm, I hate to say this, sometimes it happens to us as well. When you analyze your day, how much time does an average family spend together? You know, uh, in a meaningful way, mm. in 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 a week, in uh, you know, uh, people are out, people are in, uh, people are you know maybe not even sitting to to eat at the same table, uh, grab something on the run. People sometimes don't even observe and see what is actually happening with their family members. So it's of great importance that we do take an interest, that we do not take the well-being of our family for granted. But also, you asked a question about ourselves. If you observe that happening, uh, you know, somebody who is very close to our heart in our family uh, is going through that kind of displaying those symptoms. Could be five out of nine, could be whole nine out of nine. Well, whatever. So, so it is essential that we actually, that, that we as family members persuade our loved one to seek professional help. Do you find often, and, and, and this is just a, a question off the side for a moment, that uh, people who are depressed resist being told they're depressed or resist getting help? Uh, I believe I believe that could be the case. Uh, with, with and, and when it comes to mental health, uh, if somebody's uh, if somebody's a younger person. Uh, unfortunately, all the research uh, shows that there is a stigma uh, or perceived stigma among among uh, younger people, teenagers or whatever, young adults. If I go and seek help for depression, you know, what will my friends think mm-hmm. about me? So the other one could be 
could be our pride. You know, I'm well. I, I have it all. I hold it together. You know. Yeah. 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 And so on and so on. Uh, particularly us men, eh? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly so. And so, so basically, family members should keep uh, their eyes out for their for their family members, and that actually they at least somebody should accompany them to go uh, and visit the doctor together with them uh, mm-hmm. uh, wife with a husband parent with a child um, there is a, uh, a bit of a study from Harvard University uh, Dr. Nasir uh, Gaimi assistant professor of psychiatry at Harvard Uni- University uh, contends it's not even desirable to make the correct diagnosis of depression without the family. Oh, really? That's right. Uh, for one thing, many people, particularly those at either end of the age spectrum, and those with the medical conditions, don't realize, now coming back, that's yeah, what yeah, he's yeah, saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't realize that they're depressed or may attribute symptoms to other things. Uh, and the perspective of family members is useful. Now, the program that you and I run here in, in, in this, in this uh, region, and Dr. Nedley's Depression and Anxiety Recovery Program, uh, Dr. Nedley specifically talks when people come to him and he's quizzing, he's, he's interviewing the, 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 the person and saying, well, you know, is this happening? And, and say the husband says, oh, no, no, I, I'm not more irritable than I usually am. And Dr. Natalie says, and his wife says, oh, yes, you are. Oh, yes, you are. <laughs> and, and, and so from that perspective, uh, the insistence of wise, experienced medical professionals and doctors that the family members accompany somebody who is suspected of having depression uh, is of great importance. Mm-hmm. So persuading them, accompanying them uh, to the doctor as a support, and being there in this, in this process of, of the condition being diagnosed mm-hmm. is very, very important. Now, you mentioned before the biopsychosocial lifestyle model of treatment. Where does the family and friends fit into that model? I, I like that model because it's fairly holistic. There is only, oh, very holistic. There is only one that is actually not directly mentioned there, uh, but it could be kind of or somewhere under the social uh, you know, aspect of it, uh, even though it's Which different. Is it spiritual? It's a spiritual aspect. Yeah, so we could call it the biopsychosocial spiritual lifestyle model. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But, but in essence, uh, where does the family fit in that model? Everywhere. Uh, the family encourages the sufferer to seek help. That's the first step. Uh, well, recognizes that, mm-hmm. then seeks, uh, then, then encourages them to, 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 to actually seek help. Uh, then helps in diagnosing the condition, as we've just, you know, uh, discussed. Yeah. And then helps in the implementation of the therapy by providing consistent support. Uh, then, and there is social support uh, accounts uh, that accounts up to 40% of the success, success of the treatment in accordance with that biopsychosocial lifestyle model. Uh, so obviously, uh, spiritual side of it, uh, if people have the, um, that spirituality and spiritual connection with God, this is a time to really pray. Uh, pray for wisdom for ourselves and also pray for healing for our, for our loved one. Yeah. Okay, so the attitude of the family and friends and you know, caregivers um, is a really, really important uh, for the recovery of those who suffer from depression then? Uh, absolutely. Research shows that the course of the illness is worsened by what is called in the jargon expressed emotion, mm-hmm. uh, which is a measure of attitudes expressed by a caregiver uh, relative to, to a psychiatrically ill patient. Uh, for, for example, if it is consistent 
uh, if it consists of criticism, hostility, and emotional over-involvement, it multiplies the chances of relapse two to three times. Oh, That's really? two to three hundred percent chance increased if the person who is actually um, suffering from depression is immersed in a in a. a in a negative environment that the, that they that they uh, affect so if the person. If this bouncy family is just sort of beating around the head and saying, "Look, snap out of it." That's right. Well said. That's the worst possible kind of approach they could make. Is that more or less what you're saying? That's there? right. Even medication is not going to be as as effective uh, as it could be, and the relapse is increased. The chance of relapse is increased by two to three times, which is two to three hundred percent. That's going to require a lot of patience on the family, on the part of family members, and you know the, the display of frustration, anger, you know, critical attitude of the family um, of the sufferer of depression, you know, um, is as you say very likely as they encounter the profound changes within their loved one. Well, well let, me, let me just share this very briefly, uh, a piece of research, actually, again, from Harvard University, and that uh, uh, actually shows that expressed emotion usually sets up a conflicting relationship between patient uh, and relative. And what actually happens in, the, in their mind is very interesting. It has biological effects. Oh, wow. uh, patients become hyper-aroused, uh, uh, so to say, uh, the imaging, uh, the scans show that, that the fear centers are activated in the brain when depressed uh, or depression susceptible people hear family members criticizing them. So actually, isn't that amazing? The power of words mm, that, that actually when, when negative emotions are expressed, that actually immediately starts a chemical process. Well, first images, uh, Im- those, those fear centers are activated, and then there are the whole raft of, of, of uh, chemical reactions. So it seems to me in this treatment process of depression that we don't just need to treat the sufferer, but we need to treat the family as well. That's kind of the impression that I'm getting here. That is exactly so. So, so some experts uh, co- uh, recommended family-focused therapy, uh, which is a treatment uh, initially devised uh, for families of bipolar patients, but which is now uh, also applied to those of uni- unipolar patients, uh, basically, which means they have swings from being, you know, in a very high mm-hmm. mood and being a very, in a very lo- low mood. So family education, uh, Lyle, and anybody who is listening to this, is of great importance. And I believe more and more of this will be recognized as we go to the future uh, because family plays such a great, important, uh, uh, greatly important role. Okay, so someone said that no man is an island. It's an interesting thought to reflect that, you know, our family and our social support play such a significant part in our mental health. Uh, for sure. And, and the Bible, uh, well, actually tells us that God gave us a family uh, to be loved, to, to be cared for. Uh, um, really, we are our brother's keepers. Mm. We are there uh, to be accountable, to support and nurture and help at, at those time, times of hardship. And God as our Father is somebody who is never going to beat us around the head and just tell us to snap out of it and get over it, but somebody is going to be there for us to care for us every day. That would be probably one of the biggest mistakes that people assume. People should just snap out of it you know, and get real, get involved in life. People just can't do that. Mm. They need help. Mm. And, of course, we can turn to God, who is our greatest help in every time of need and trouble. David, thank you so much for joining us today. Do appreciate uh, your segments here on Faith FM. We'll be back after this song and the 8 o'clock news with Encounter with God.
Yes, He does. Oh, yes, He does. Did you know that God loves you? Yes, He does. Oh, yes, He does. He would give His life for you. when you think of studying nursing practical experience a rewarding career great employment prospects when you think of nursing think of avondale college of higher education 92.7 percent of our nursing graduates were employed within four months of completing their degree with credible experience and with friends for life to apply now visit avondale.edu.au it's higher education designed for life Is forgiveness, or the lack of forgiveness, eating away at you? A relationship breakdown maybe, long-term hurt, unresolved conflict. You know, it can be dealt with. If you want to break the cycle and start living a more forgiving life, Forgive to Live is a program designed to help us all improve our lives and be more forgiving. Don't let it eat away at you anymore. If you're keen to discover the power of forgiveness, why don't you take that first step and head to forgivetolive.org.au. 